welcome to the 14th episode of the Friday Nightmares podcast. Our topic this week or for this podcast is sharks. Who should fear who? I am one half of your hosting team, Heather Powell, coming to you today from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on this almost last day of July. And with me, as always, is Scott Crawford, recording upstairs this time uh, in Sports Creek, Michigan, just enjoying the nice breeze that's actually coming in the house today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Holy crap. See, this is this is why you need to do the intros every time because you always remember to bring up the topic right <laughs> off the bat. Not always. I think I forgot when we did the camping one. So episode twelve. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, I yeah. Don't we think did. I we remembered. got into, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're usually really good at getting that. Where I'm like, oh, we'll just talk about. Oh, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're like, no one needs to know what we're talking about. But it's been a wicked July. Um, you, I guess, you know, we should play the Kendrick Lamar song, Be Humbled for Me, because you have surpassed me in first time watches because I've been too busy yes. freaking partying. For the past yeah, you have been living weeks. your best life and I've been living the same life. <laughs> so how many new 2020 watches are you up to, Scott? I am at 100 and I think I'm on, in the middle of my 114th one. Awesome. I made it to 111 today. Nice. Uh, so I'm three behind you, which is which is fine. Um, I'm going to take that as a victory, though. Run my victory, it is a victory. now. It is a victory. I've been too busy, literally. Like, from our last episode is when I submitted my paper, and I have my last paper. So I'm in grad school, just in case. I've, I've alluded to I'm school in, that I'm in school before, but I'm taking my master's at uh, Memorial University Online, and I'm finishing up my two summer courses. So I have two more essays that are due next Friday and last time we recorded I was just finishing my other two assignments which is about I guess so I don't know how many weeks ago two three weeks ago now it's been about two weeks yeah about two weeks and I had a friend coming down and it was just freaking party time like there was every single day (laughs) every night like quite literally I was out I went to the bar scene so my friends got a a hotel and we went in we pre-drank on the hotel um patio which was huge and then we walked to the bars and i was like i it was so bad i was buying shots and at 37 I'm like who buys shots right like <laughs> really um and they weren't real shots they were like the porn star shots but still and i got a cab home because i was lit and then two days later i i go out with just the girls uh and we're at this girls night and i drink tons of wine like i was so drunk i was like i think scott i texted him he was like How, are you having a good time and i was like booyah like i couldn't even get like full Your, it was the uh literal sense of drunk texting because oh man it was i kept brutal. every like every hour i was getting i'm so drunk oh man like i was lit and then so i get in the cab to go home and it's monday night okay like we gotta i had to work the next day now mind you i'm working from home so it's not like i had to drive anywhere but i got up the next day and i went downstairs and i looked outside and i saw my recycling bins and my garbage cans and i was like why are those out on the curb on a saturday and then i realized that it was (laughs) tuesday and i had been blowing it up on a monday and yeah tuesday and then i went to um niagara falls that night and i went to a place called taco and tequila 
and I had a daiquiri that was like huge. I posted that, pictures on my Instagram. I should share it to our Facebook page. Yeah, or that like thing our, was our massive. Group. It was huge. 24 bucks. So I had that. And then Wednesday night, I went out again to another bar on the lake near me. So like, and this weekend I'm going to a rooftop patio for sushi in Toronto. Oh, I'm so jealous of that. For drinks in the afternoon, which is why I made Scott record tonight with me. But yeah, so little to say between that and just other work requirements when I, you know, have managed to be sober enough to work um, and schoolwork. I haven't been watching a lot of films, so Scott's kicked my ass. So yeah, congratulations, saying, Scott. Well, I've been so- becoming a functioning alcoholic. You've been <laughs> watching movies. Well, thank you. Well, that will soon be my turn here. That because. That mm-hmm. The reason we're doing, uh, we're getting this out now, is because we want to uh, want to get it out to you guys. Because uh, within a, it's July thirtieth right now, and on August eighth, I will be heading to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for an entire week in a cabin in the woods, surrounded by two different lakes, away from most of the world. And sounds like the starting of Evil Dead. It, it kind of does. That's why I'm going to bring the Evil Dead movies with me. Just in case we have shitty weather, I have a way to uh, entertain ourselves and probably freak out some of the people that will be with me in the cabin. You know, Scott, but. it's times like this I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I really am. You know, you're my inspiration. Oh, thanks. Well, you inspired me to party, so. <laughs> you inspire me to drink, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you lead me to drinking, working with you for so long, no. <laughs> oh, that's fair. You probably have started drinking more since we've been hanging out. Though we realized just before we got on this call that it has been six months almost since Scott and I have chilled in person and got, I was going to say shit-based, but we need more than that when we hang out with each other. <laughs> But yeah, it was February and I can't believe that it's, you know, July. And really, I think the more realistic we look at it, and we talked about this in our last podcast, I don't even know if we'll begin together again this year. I know, um, as sad as that's starting to, like, sad as that is, it's that's kind of what it's looking like and it fucking sucks. It really does. And like, I, I have been actually keeping something from you because I didn't want to rub it in your face. But I feel like it's better that you hear it now and see pictures later the movie theaters are opening here and there's a theater near me that's opened and i may go tomorrow night oh you suck (laughs) 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 and i won't tell you the movie because it will make it worse well i'm I'm actually curious that it doesn't i might go see world war c okay have you seen that yeah I i thought it was okay Oh, of course you thought it was okay. Probably everyone else fucking loved it. And you're like, well, no gremlins. Not like you're going to go see something good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I might go see that. Or there's Bad Boys for Life, because I never caught it when it was out in the theater the first time. But they oh, right. made announcements for new releases that are coming. Nice. So- yeah, because uh, there have been, uh, like, they have been talking about how uh, some countries are going to be showing uh, films before the U.S., like a couple weeks in advance of the U.S. because of what's going on here. Yeah, there are other films that are being released because I saw that there were some new ones on the Cineplex website that are being released. So, which is Cineplex is our is our website. So, yeah, it's not the theater that's super close to me. I have one that's about ten minutes away. So, yeah, if I can get tickets and things can work out on time, I'll go up to the one that's further. If not, the other one will be opening a week from now. But we have fully entered <sighs> stage three in Ontario. Uh, we just got announced yesterday that we've had less than a hundred cases reported in the entire province. Um, 
and Toronto is finally hitting stage three, which is great because I'm going to Toronto tomorrow. So that, or sorry, Saturday. So that's going to be really awesome. So unfortunately, though, <laughs> I know you're not having the same luck, which makes me think that we probably won't be getting together until the new year. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your damn masks people. You know, it's funny. I was at Starbucks last night with some girlfriends and we were just, of course, I was at Starbucks and we're all white. <laughs> we're all white with our Kate Spade purses at Starbucks. So like, I want to just paint an image. And these are my same girlfriends that we have um, a Facebook chat group called Basic White Bitches. Of course you do. Right. Um, but anyway, we're, we're there having our Starbucks and these young gentlemen, probably about 11, like, you know, how like kids will hang out in like a little gang and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like these boys managed to put on masks before they went into because the the Starbucks is attached to something called an Indigo, which would be our I guess your version of what's the bookstores that are still around there? Oh, like Barnes and Noble. Yeah, so your version of that, right? So, you know, they were putting their masks on going in, and they had like really cool skeleton ones and shit. And like, if these kids can manage it, and no one was putting up a stink, no one was getting upset. People just put on their mask and went inside. You know, like. God's sakes, it's a mask. It's not the end of the world. I know. And, you know, if you wear your masks, that means that we can maybe eventually start slowly reopening and getting back to normal. But the more people don't wear masks, we're going through the crap that happened today for Michigan, which is we are taking a step back. Bars are closed, only serving outside. And now gathering uh the gatherings for indoors has been reduced i think it was a gathering of 50 people before because you were at a wedding last week actually yeah yeah. and now it's reduced to a gathering of 10 people or less and the outside gatherings were at 250 and now are reduced to 100 so our numbers have still stayed the same i think you're only allowed to have up to 100 people outside 50 people indoors uh no dancing still in ontario no dancing yeah, we still got to call Kevin Bacon about right, this. We've got to call Kevin Bacon and do some Footloose. But honestly, that's a small price to pay. But a lot of restaurants still aren't having people eat indoors. Even though it's allowed now, if it's nice out, they're having people on the patio where possible. And I think that's smart, right? Like, we're in warm weather. And honestly, if I'm going out to a bar, which clearly I do a lot, <laughs> I'm probably uh, not going to want to sit inside. I'm going to want to sit outside. So I don't blame you. Like people could still go out to the restaurant and have some drinks and stuff. Like, Right. You know. Like, uh, and I think the whole reason why here restaurants are open like indoors for the most part and mm-hmm. people are doing that is because uh, we don't have a lot of patios like you have. Oh, like, that's right. tend to have. I'm like patios everywhere. Like even near me, I have a whole bunch of patios. It's okay, Scott. When do you're gonna come up here? And 2021 is gonna be the year. I know, and I'm gonna take you to Niagara. We're gonna go through the nightmares, haunted house, and I I don't know what else we're gonna do in Niagara Falls because I don't know what else you're gonna want to do. But it's gonna be a lot of fun, and yeah, and unless we both win that date with Brandon, but I really don't think he uh, that's gonna happen. I feel like right now, Dave C and Christian are looking like the better advocates for us to go on a date with them. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Oh, and as we record this, happy birthday, Christian. Oh, yes. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. See? And Dave's birthday is in a couple of days. So happy yep. birthday, Dave. Yeah, happy birthday, Dave. The, what would they, the guardians of the podcasting community. Joe Pesci and, uh, and the skunk himself. The skunk himself, <laughs> right? But yeah, I guess we should get into the movie. So it is really exciting about your cabin trip. So I guess before we do that, we should probably be clear. You'll be gone for a week and then we're going to have to get caught up on movies and stuff. So we probably won't be recording again until the end of August. 
Yeah, I'll say at least I'm thinking like maybe, yeah, because because I won't be getting back to the middle of August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll probably be our the next episode you all hear will probably be the end of the month. Yeah, so we'll have a couple of weeks off, uh, but I will be getting around because I have some guest spots lined up while that Scott is do. away. So um, you can check me out on some some oldies but goldies where I started my podcasting career. I'm going to be making a, a guest appearance and then with some other uh, surprises up uh, my sleeve. So it'll be a fun little month of August. And um, yeah, so I guess we should get into what we've been watching. So I'll say the first one and i believe we both saw this one i think we yes. just saw them at different times yep the tent 2020 so scott what did you think i was uh unsure at first mm. like the first two-thirds i was like okay the acting's really good i'm not sure exactly what's going on and then you start piecing more and more of the puzzle together as it goes on and then that third act third act hit and i was just like holy shit like it just changed my whole perspective on this movie and yeah. I thought it was great. It hit the feels. It did. It hit the feels. This is a low budget film. And I guess some people could argue that it's not really horror. Um, I don't know. I, I think it deals with societal horrors and real life horrors. Yeah. <laughs> very, very much so. It has a twist to it that I did not see coming. No. Like, as it was going on, I was like, you know what, maybe this is what it is. Like, as it got closer to revealing the twist, I kind of was like, I had a feeling, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't, there's no way I could have fully predicted it. Well acted, low budget, but well filmed. Oh my goodness, the filming of this. Yeah, they were, the filmmakers behind this did a fantastic job. Like it almost went to feeling like a a found footage ish film, yeah. To a really like professional like um like I don't want to say movie theater quality, but movie theater quality film at parts. Like how they switched atmospheres was so fitting to the plot line. Yeah, and the way they like even went between uh like telling you what happened in a little bit of the history, like like the flashback stuff. Even the way they filmed that worked out really well, like the way it was done. Absolutely. Like it was just really, really good. And an 85-minute running time, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Do I think everyone is going to love this film? Probably not. I'm already seeing on Letterboxd that people don't like it. So I feel like you're going to have to really enjoy character development um, and be fine with low budget. I feel like people attack low budget a lot. And I, yeah. that bugs me because just because, you know, it didn't have all the bells and whistles doesn't mean it's a bad film. Right. When you look at low budget films, you kind of got to look at it like, all right, well, they obviously had, as the term, term implies, low budget. Mm-hmm. So what did they do with their budget? How did they do everything right? Like, that's how you got to look at this stuff. And was it entertaining? Yes. Or did it yes. grab you storyline wise? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I anyway. I, now we watched it. Um, we got a screener. screener. We were lucky and got a screener, but it is for rent on Amazon. But it is for rent on Amazon. How much is it on Amazon, my friend? Do you know? I think it was like three ninety nine. Oh, it's worth a three ninety nine rental for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Like, totally worth a watch if yeah, you, if you're looking to add some more twenty twenty films to your list, especially some low budget, low budget gems like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, and the next film we are going to talk about, this one, uh, Heather and I were a bit divisive on. <laughs> but that is uh, one of the newer ones that just got released, and that is The Rental 2020. And this one, when we went into it, we were like, all right, this is going to be... I have a feeling this is going to be a lot like The Perfect Toast because it's a bunch of people that rent an Airbnb and you have yourself a weird landlord and then mm -hmm. things get crazy after that, let's just say. And then it's just like The Perfect Toast. No, I, it's not. It's, no. There's some similar flavors, though. I, I preferred The Perfect Toast more to this, to be honest with you. Yep. I actually, I think I have them ranked almost equally. Do you? Okay, yeah, cool. like I liked them because I just love the, the, well, for one, this has my man crush, Dan Stevens. Like, yes. Mr. Yes. Dreamy himself. <sighs> and he was very good. Yes. He was like, very good. Allison Brie, fucking phenomenal. Yep. The uh, guy she, that played Lip from Shameless. Yes. Jeremy Allen White. Yes. And Sheila Vaughn. Vond was fine, but her role as Minnie, Mindy, Minnie, what was her yeah, name? Not, not, I can't remember what her name was, but I know it was a bit uh, different because she was uh, Arabic, I think. She was Arabic. Her character was the most annoying social justice warrior I have ever met. And I think that's what brought this movie down for me. Yeah, and... I get that for me. I think that was what they were going with because, you know, yes. there are people like that. And, like, I, that's why I think that all of them did a great job acting because they played their parts and you made, she made it so you got annoyed and sick of her the way she acted. So I yeah. think she did her part really well. But, yeah, this has, like, a couple, when you start watching it, it brings to mind a couple different films. I'm not going to give them away or say the names because then it'll kind of give away how this all plays out. But you'll know when you see it. But, man, like, I'd say the first two-thirds is kind of more like character development, uh, kind of giving you some red herrings on what's going on, some weird mm -hmm. stuff starts happening. But mm -hmm. then that third act, third act happens, and it almost feels like a slasher film. It definitely does. The ending left a lot to be desired for me. And see, I really dug this. Um, I think it had to do with the whole, once again, relationship issues. Like, mm -hmm. you know, pulled, pulled Mr. Uh, Soft-Hearted Scott into it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of relationship issues. But a lot of this movie is, you don't even feel bad for the characters because they engage in such stupid behaviors that you're like... It is it, true. It's not as bad as Outback when I say stupid behaviors, but there's certain things that happen where you're like, what did you think would happen? Like if you just didn't do that, if you just didn't do this, if you just didn't do, and I think that's why I didn't like it. I couldn't get past such overly poor decision-making for me. Not a bad movie. Well-filmed. Um, Mr. Dave Franco did a great job. Yeah, I think this was like his first time directing the feature directing film. Directing, and he produced as well. Um, so, you know, good for him. Very, very good. And yes, some people are going to like it. It was not a top for me, but Scott really enjoyed it. So Yeah, I, I really love that one. Like, it's in my top 20 for the year. Oh, yeah, it's nowhere close to my top 20. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, it's not even in there. <laughs> And that's okay. We do not have... Can you imagine how boring our lives would be if Scott and I thought the same on every film? 
Right, exactly. Like this, you know, this shows like, you know, the, the things that connect with me compared to the things that connect with you. Like it shows how I better taste. And it's <laughs> yes. just kidding. <laughs> I will, I will, I will say fair, fair. <laughs> no, I don't think I have better taste at all, actually. I think no, we, we just have preferences. Well, I'll say, and you and I have a lot similar tastes, and then just some things that just vary. The best is when we hate on a movie together. Yes. It's really funny. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are, like, the best reviews. <laughs> Which we'll probably be talking about uh, as we get to our main topic later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> not so much with our new watches, though, because no. the one that you didn't like i didn't see because i was like no i don't i don't need to beat scott that badly (laughs) it's okay wise choice wise right so the next one is the pool 2020 this one's on shutter oh the rental you can find that on amazon right yes that one is on uh to rent on amazon to rent on amazon so the pool is a shutter exclusive uh, it's a Thai film, and the reason why I have it as a 2020 is because I could not have accessed this film in Canada till now. Right. So other people that watched it, great, good for you. I could not have access to this up till now. So it's a pretty interesting concept. Um, very, very simple set. Very good character development. A lot of very convenient plot points. Like yeah. everything that could go wrong to this person possibly goes wrong. There were a few things that medically were completely impossible to Mm -hmm. have happen. And that was my only real bugaboo of the movie. Because really, when you're watching this movie about a guy who's basically stranded in the pool with an alligator and can't get out of the pool because of the death of the pool, um, you know, like, (laughs) set your expectations. (laughs) This once again would have uh, fit in our survival episode. Yeah, it definitely could have. It definitely, if we did like a water pool episode, it's yep. funny. I was uh, in my parents' pool on Sunday, and my parents had this little above ground four foot pool. And I thought, man, like this happened to me. I could probably just climb out of the pool. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. The ending was a little cheese, cheese. But it's for 81 minutes, or sorry, yeah, 91 minutes. It moves quickly enough. Uh, go in with low expectations, go in with the concept that you're going to suspend disbelief and you'll have a good time. I definitely, I don't even think it's in my top 40 or 50. I I think it's higher than that, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it as a fun, fluffy watch. Right. Yeah. Cause this one was just kind of, it was there for me. Like, I mean, we both kind of rated it the same score and I think we both kind of have it similarly placed in our list. If I remember correctly. Um, Cause yeah, I, the, the plot conveniences just yeah they were a little over the top yeah way too coincidental too yeah. many things happening at the exact same time type deals the one medical thing though i can't get past like i can't yeah. and i was arguing with another podcaster about it i'm like no like that would be physically impossible like that is just not something that could even occur and that's really like that's where it lost me all that other shit that happens i could be like all right it's a movie forgive but when it's like pure medical science that somebody would not be able to survive what this dude survived Whereas trying to be a somewhat serious movie, like this isn't Friday the 13th where they like electrify Jason and he comes back to life. Like right. this is supposed to be a somewhat serious film. So that's where yeah. my issue was with it. And the issue with that is, for me, is I completely forgot about his medical issue until you pointed it out the next day when you were watching it. I'm going, well, yeah, that shows how much they even focused on that for the most oh, part, like to the just... point where I didn't even think about it. Well, they tried to make it part of the plot though. 
They, they did. did. They, because they, did. they indicated several times. Yeah, but it's just like, it, uh, for some reason, it just didn't stick with me that that it's happened. because you didn't really like the movie. You were probably scrolling through your phone a lot while it was on. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right? He's talking to all the people that a smoke show Crawford has to talk to. <laughs> More like I was uh, dog sitting, so I was probably talking to the three dogs on my couch that were pushing me all over the place. <laughs> you mean pit bulls? <laughs> you were yeah, feeding them all like... <laughs> I remember now, it's like Mr. 305. Mr. 305, fireball. That's what it was. And uh, <laughs> you had to give them vodka, what was it, Red Bull and vodka? Yep. <laughs> You're like, all right, guys, here's here's your dinner of Red Bull and vodka. Oh, man. So, yes, if you need Scott to dog sit, that's how I take care of the dogs. And that's how Scott gets shit done. All right, I'll let you talk about the next one. All right, so the next one, I believe, was also a screener. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I'm trying to remember, because I couldn't get to it in time, uh, but the title of it is called Sunad which I believe, what was the... Uh... I felt like it was South Asian, some, like either um, they were speaking in Arabic or I could be wrong, though. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up as well. But yeah, it was a really good film, though. Yeah, this one, I was blown away by it. Like, I, I know, Nudie, I said blown away. You're going to rub it in. No, and it's not the 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, it but, says that it's it's directed by Carlos. Yep, Carlo Ledesma. Carmina. So, yeah. I wonder if it was Filipino. I, th I think that's what it was. Was, Filipino. was it Filipino? Okay. Yeah, but it centers on a woman who's desperate to find the cure to her daughter's illness because mm -hmm. she's in the hospital. And so she takes a job at a call center but only to be haunted by the ghost within the call center itself. It's like, and, it's like all the people that got shitty service from the call right. center. Called. It's on in the walls. Anyway. But uh, yeah, I didn't know what to go, uh, went, didn't know what to expect from this film going into it, just knowing that you said you really liked it and I should check it out. So I, I did while I was doing my dog sitting duties. And yeah, this was really freaking good. Like had some very mm -hmm. creepy moments. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Some very uh, heartfelt moments too with her daughter. Uh, the acting was really freaking good. This is how you do a ghost story. Yes, absolutely. Take note, America and Canada. This is how you do a ghost story. It's a hundred and twenty-three minute running time, and I was into it the entire time. Yeah, it felt like maybe ninety minutes. Yeah, it, it just the, flew by. It flew by exceptionally well done film anyone who says 2020 is a crappy year for films i think this film will prove otherwise yeah. it's a very enjoyable film it's the characters you care about the the ghost story you care about you really don't know what's going to happen you have an idea but you're not sure and the protagonist is a strong protagonist yeah exactly though the only issue i have here is I don't know where this is available. We were lucky to get a screener from yeah. screener of it, but I'm not sure if this is on iTunes or not, or where it can be found. So I would say probably iTunes would be the best place to go to look for yep. this at this point. It's it still seems to be very much a new release. So my guess is it's going to come out later on this year to other platforms if it's not already on Google Play or whatnot. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking too. 
right? So the next one we watched is available for rent, but we got a screener because we're ballers now. <laughs> and uh, it's called Home Wrecker, Wrecker, right? I put Home Wrecker on here, but it's Home Wrecker. And it's a really fun movie. Oh my goodness. I wasn't sure what to expect. It's 86 minutes long. I didn't know any of the people in it, though they looked familiar. Well, you do Precious, know one. Precious Chong? You know Alex Esso, because uh, she was in Starry Eyes. That's who that was. That's who that was. Okay, so Alex Esso. So she's had a pretty big career, actually, now that I go and I look at her letterbox. Yeah, because she's in Doctor Sleep and all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, she's been in tons of stuff. But man, what a fun film. Yeah, I... I heard someone talk about this one and they were not a big fan of it, but like, re- and like, but you telling me to check it out. I was like, all right. And yeah, like the whole entire time it's making me go, I'm feeling awkward. Like mm-hmm. this is just mm-hmm. like the conversations between the two ladies in this movie. I'm going, this is just weird and very awkward. And mm-hmm. I am very uncomfortable. Like it actually made me feel that way. And you know, if a movie's getting you to make, to feel feelings like that, then it's doing its job. And well, the actors, the two yeah. women in it. So Precious Chung and Alex Esso. So, yep. Like, oh my goodness. Like they could have starred two better people to yeah. play with to to play off each other. It was a, one of those fun watches too, because of just how crazy it was. It was so good. I, I can't it's worth the rental. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree. Fun and for females, I think you're really gonna find it funny. Uh, there's a certain scene in it where they play a board game and it's <laughs> take you back to other board games you may have played as a young woman. And it's so funny. Like, it's so funny that I'm referring it to a lot of my girlfriends to watch. Are you really? Because, yeah, that don't even like horror that much because it's just such a funny film. Like, yeah, there's horror in it and there's there's some pretty good gore. Yeah. Um, you don't see tons of things, but what you do, what they do is pretty good. And uh, <laughs> especially the ending. Yeah, the ending was great. Like, oh man, yeah, I, I, I totally dug this movie. A lot of fun. Short running time. Rent it. It's worth it. Go for it. Yep, yeah, absolutely agree with you on that one. Just, it was one of those movies where it's just like it's an easy watch. Easy, easy watch. Um, so yeah, we'll jump into the next one. Um, and this one I think we were both fairly similar with our feelings on. Mm. Uh, and that is Impossible Monsters from 2020. This one can be found on Amazon Prime, um, but it's pretty much about a guy that is doing a study on sleep paralysis, and so he's got his different uh, people that he's working with during this, and while it had some decent acting, there were some actors that were not the best, Mm. but man, was, like, I will say, if you are into nightmare visuals, crazy weird things happening on the screen i would recommend checking this out because this is one of those films where you're just watching going what the heck am i watching now what's going on like you and i kept messaging each other asking like did you yeah i didn't get what's going on through half of it i'll be honest it was it was it was very dialogue heavy it was almost it was long i found it long i wasn't over a big fan um I wouldn't say it was a waste of money. I'm just trying to look it up here. I'm, and I, but I, I had to pay to rent it, which was fine. Oh, that's right. You did. Um, but I, I would say for a free watch, it's good. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't pay for it. And I only paid $2.99 and I yeah. wouldn't recommend paying for it. 
Yeah, because this one will just like, especially the ending when it happened, we both were just kind of left scratching our heads going, huh? Yeah, like it just kind of seemed a little, oh, here it is. Yeah, I have it pretty high up. I think it's in like my 90s. I didn't overly enjoy it that much, so. Yeah, and I think mine's more in the 70s, I think. Because yeah. there, there were some things I liked about it, like the visuals and stuff like that. And plus, like I was telling you, I'm fascinated with the whole sleep paralysis thing. And yeah. So I was kind of like intrigued by the story, but yeah, it just was too off the wall weird and just almost too artsy. Yeah, it seemed really artsy to me, speaking like the artist guy that sent it to. And like, <laughs> anyway, it's filmed in, um, in New York City. So it's a beautiful filming campus that they film it at. So I don't know yeah. if you really like looking at university campuses. And it was very much university. Like the conversations that the profs and stuff are having are like very, very, very like faculty driven shit. So that was kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah, this is just kind of a it's free to free to watch on Prime. So if if it interests you from the free little to bit watch that we on Prime about, in in United yeah. States. And then yeah, you gotta rent for two ninety nine in Canada. Yes. So don't you forget about us don't you forget about me <laughs> uh next one just dropped today on the shutter is called host 2020 and you know what this is a great fucking film you know i, I don't i don't think it's sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i was really impressed with this like i don't i'm not gonna be like oh man this is in my top 25 best movie ever but it's for a movie filmed just on Zoom using the same concept as Unfriended, it was pretty damn good. Like, yeah. it was entertaining. It was under an hour long. The acting was believable. I really, really liked it. And we got to mention it because it's just freaking cool. They did all of this while in quarantine lockdown. Yeah, they did it all over Zoom. Yeah, which... They used Zoom, which is the same tool that we use when we record. <laughs> right, they did that and... I even like there's a scene where you see someone getting ready to go outside, so they even put on a mask to go outside. And I'm going, yeah, like, it's exactly what they're dealing with and everything mm -hmm. and what we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. But, like, mm -hmm. man, for, you know, being stuck at their homes and just doing this over Zoom, really incredible job. Yeah, it was really – I'm glad Shutter picked it up. It was yeah. – it's a good movie. It's under an hour. It's worth the watch. You know, it's not going to go down as, like, oh, my goodness, one of the best films of 2020. Of course not. But I think for how they adapted to the filming for this movie, the plot that they used to move it along and the reaction of the characters using Zoom and the acting quality was pretty damn good. Yeah, I was... Like, they're like, using a screen to react. Right. And we know they're using a screen because they're, you know, that was during quarantine. They couldn't get together and be in a room and do this. So for that, I think it deserves props and credit. Absolutely. Like, and yeah, at under an hour, just, just under the hour mark, like you're not going to feel like you wasted your time, no. even if you didn't like it. Like it, no. just, it goes by so quick. Absolutely. And, and this is how you do a low budget film better than confessional or that other piece of yeah. garbage that we watched. Like comparably, this was way better. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Like this is something I could see myself rewatching if I ever go back to rewatching anything. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really cool film. I thought it used technology well. And it's a, yeah, I, I think that's all we can say on it. I, I don't know what else to say. I'll let yeah. you talk about the gem though. This Oscar film you got to talk about. <laughs> all right. So 
I got to kind of give the little story leading up to this and why I put myself through this. So the same night that Heather and I decided like originally that we were going to do shark films, it was like, you know, two episodes ago because we changed things around a little bit as we kept going. But I told my roommate like, yeah, we're going to watch, you know, shark movies and prep for shark shows. And he's like, even the dumb ones. I'm like, yeah, even the dumb ones. Like, I don't care. Just go watch whatever shark movie I haven't seen. So I let him pick the movie and he didn't realize it at the time, but it was a 2020 film. So I got to add it to the list. But that wonderful gem of a movie was Ouija Shark. Oh boy. Talk about backyard filmmaking. <laughs> um, see, the plot is this goth woman goes to a beach and is just sitting there and well, she decides to walk into the water and when she does this piece of wood just kind of drifts towards her and it's got the letters and numbers of a Ouija board on it. So what does she do? She grabs it, takes it back to her You know, you're giving some pretty party. hardcore spoilers here, Scott. Are you sure I, no one's going to want to watch Ouija Shark? I, I'm not going to spoil everything, but I'm just going to just, <laughs> I'm, I'm setting up the ridiculousness oh, here. Oh, you're setting up the, the Oscar-worthy performance, okay. Yeah, but yeah, she takes it back to her friend's house, and of course, what do friends do when you have a Ouija board? You play with it. And then you get the most terrible looking god awful ghost shark that looks like it was a hand puppet that someone is moving across the screen like this that's amazing and dear god the acting was fucking painful like you know they like it's one of those where it's like hey we're trying to make one of those bad movies mm. and we know we're in a bad movie so we're going to overact like crazy except for the father the father just didn't know how to fucking act you he, you would, <laughs> he, he just oh my god that was horrendous sounds like a real gem man oh i was laughing because it was so stupid but and i was entertained thankfully it was short did the Ouija shark break into sea world yes <laughs> that would be that would have made this a lot more maybe hilarious. make some baby sharks rise from the dead Yes. Rise. Rise. <laughs> but yeah, this is unless you are just like an aficionado for the silly off the wall shark movies, no matter how good or bad they are, I would avoid this one. It good advice. It's I think it's free on Prime. I can't remember for sure, but oof. This is almost as bad as the pigster. I think it was just two or three Ooh. above that. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, it was. <sighs> it, I, I'd saved it because we were going to. I was going to bring it up last episode, but since we were doing shark movies this week, I decided I'm going to leave it just to kind of go with the theme. And I had to talk about it because, oh my. <laughs> Sounds excellent. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what, though? I think I may skip that one. I don't, I don't know. You may need to. 2020 that badly. I don't know. You need to watch it to catch up to me. No, no, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you have to watch it five times in a row. Five times, like Booker T, five times WCW. Five times WWE. <laughs> no, WCW. He was five times oh, WCW oh, that's right. champion. That's yeah, right. don't don't mess with me in my wrestling. I know you got you got your wrestling skills. I'm still new right. when it comes to that. 
right? So I'm a total nerd. So now that will conclude our 2020 films as we move into our older films. And Mr. Crawford, yours is up. All right. So I wanted, I got in the mood for some samurai films because a lot of people probably know about the game Ghost of Tsushima, which kind of oh, plays. Sure. <laughs> well, gamers, no. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. But uh, Ghost of Tsushima, where it plays reference to, or homage to a lot of the 70s style samurai films. So I was just like, you know what? I am very curious to see if there's any samurai horror films. And there are four. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I've seen two. Well, now three, technically. But uh, so there's Onibaba, which is amazing. <laughs> or Onibaba, which is masterpiece, 10 out of 10. Quidon, which is an amazing anthology. And then this one from 1983 called Bloodbeat. Which, who boy, this is totally 80s. Uh, definitely low budget. But it's about a woman that ends up getting possessed by a samurai spirit in Wisconsin. Nice. Yes, a samurai. Water park capital of the world. Yep, and samurais apparently frequented there. <laughs> well, they like water parks. <laughs> I guess so, but no, it's because there was some ancient artifact that got brought to the house that possessed her, and like it's got some 80s cheesy gore, some 80s nudity, and like really hokey dialogue, and it was kind of what I expected, so nothing that really blew my mind, but it was still entertaining enough to watch. But I figured, I'm like, it's a samurai horror film. I got to see. And this plot sounds absolutely ridiculous. So I really got to see this. But this is also free on Prime. So if anyone wants to check out one of the few samurai horror films out there, give it a watch. Nice. Wow. I'm, I'm going to follow that up with a gem from 1981. Oh, yes, you Burial will. Ground. I won't go too much into it because I did cover it on uh, the Cemetery Gates podcast, which has been shared to our page, uh, which is with Mr. Android Vision and Sander, uh, Sander Alexander, who is a great, great reviewer. Uh, really enjoyed working with him. We're now buddies. He also likes sports. And sports are back, by the way. August 1st, playoffs, NHL, NBA, go Raptors. Anyway. Oh, Heather is in heaven. Go Raptors, baby. This is, yeah, that's right. I'm hoping for a second year in a world championship. Anyway, back to Burial Ground. So Burial Ground is a Italian film and it's pretty cheesy. And I think if you haven't had a chance to watch this movie, you should. It's basically yeah. like a zombie film of these people that go to this mansion and these zombies go crazy, but there's some hilarious lines in it. There's one line that I thought was so funny and it's this chick puts on this, this old school corset and You've heard me say this line already because yep. it's podcast. <laughs> she says to her like husband or boyfriend or whatever, whoever he is, she's like, what do you think of this? He goes, you look like a little whore, but I like that. And I just thought it was like the funniest line I had ever heard. And then like 
she's banging him and her son comes in she gets up and she runs across the room naked like there's so much sex going on in this and like oh. the zombies are just so cheese cheese like it is just over the top but i feel like it's like your horror rite of passage to watch this movie so if you have not seen burial ground from 1981 and you are a real like 80s cheesy horror fan you go check this bad boy out because it's pretty fucking funny well and you forgot the most uh important thing a 35 to 40 year old little person playing a child that breastfeeds on his mother <laughs> yeah i wanted to leave that for the exciting part of that is the review but yeah you're right scott that is the best you, part of it you can't you can't just not talk about it. it's like it's like watching house by the cemetery and not i'm not mentioning bob <laughs> oh my god house by the cemetery don't remind me of that movie i watched because i thought you named your podcast off of something good anyway <laughs> um so yeah so that's it for our older films and i guess we'll break ourselves into what we've been listening to yeah so i'm gonna start us off today with a fairly well-known independent podcast at least in our network uh, community and that is the dark discussions podcast uh hosted by philip perrin uh michael darwin eric webster chrissy i cannot remember her name for the life of me i'm sorry um and dave and they are and dave and dave (laughs) but they are a genre review podcast so they don't specifically just focus on horror they do fantasy sci-fi thrillers techno thrillers things like that but uh i have to say these guys do a phenomenal job of just breaking down a film and dissecting it and just kind of going over it and giving very good thoughts and everything. Like everyone on this podcast has brings their own form of knowledge to the show and they do a phenomenal job. And it's one of those that I just had to give shouts out to because I've been friends with Philip Perrin for quite some time. And he's also, I got to give you a huge shout out for this because of the horophilia shutting down, like come February, he is creating a hosting place on his Dark Discussions podcast for anybody that is looking to find a home there for their show, which I thought is just really awesome for him to do. It is awesome. He's, it's all right. I, I <laughs> kind of left you hanging there, but I think it really is awesome that he's doing that. And Phil's been around a long time. He has a lot of experience with podcasting. And I think the fact that he is stepping up to provide that support for other people really speaks to his character. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I will leave a link to their website and uh, links to their shows and everything in the show notes. But give the Dark Discussions podcast a shout or a check out because they do amazing job with their coverage. And they even do like little side casts like they covered Game of Thrones while Game of Thrones was playing. And they are they did that too with uh, Westworld, which I think it was Future Brothels and Bots, I believe it was called or something along those lines. Mm. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. pretty much review each individual episode as it's airing and stuff like that. Nice. Awesome. So mine is probably a very well-known one. Uh, it's, it's done by two very well-known podcasters in our community, and that's the Watts Party Horror Show. So it's done by Watson or Mr. Watson um, from Horror Corridor, which was his independent podcast. I I don't want to say it's out of, I 
out of print or whatever. I don't think he's released any new episodes in quite some time. Uh, but he did that for a long time, which was a solo cast. And most people know Dave C from Exploding Heads, but also he was with um, Banana Laser and the ABCs of Hidden Horror and the Skeleton Crew. So both of them had a pedigree. And then they came together and they have a three act podcast and their podcast is a long podcast. Definitely when you're listening to it, they do make it very clear of which act they are in, what they are doing in each act. And a lot of it, they have cute, cute little things like party favors. Yeah. And then they talk about topics. One of my favorite episodes that they did was when they talked about the top five worst horror tropes and we are still here. That was an excellent episode. I really enjoyed the tropes that they went over at the time. I'm not going to go into them because I really want people to to listen to them and check it out. Yeah, but also, that was a great episode, though. It was really, really good. All their stuff is really good. You know, Dave C. and Watson together, I think, are just two very nice people. And they come together, and you can tell that they're having a good time. And you hear a different version of them than what you would hear from Watson from Corridor, and a different version of what you would hear from Dave C. from Exploding Heads. And I think that's really important. And I think they really do try to engage with their listeners, so much so that they've started a new show of The Happy Hour, and they even talk about apps and stuff in it and drinks and half price drinks. Like it's super cute. It's, it's an hour, it's under two hours and they do like short little 2020 reviews at the beginning. And like, I just love the references to like get your half off appies and your drinks. Cause probably cause nice. I like the bar. I don't know. Maybe that's why it's, it's like my language. Um, <laughs> but I just think that's really clever. So most people know who they are. Uh, because of their respective podcasts, but I wanted to give them a shout out simply because of the work that they put into this podcast. The, the editing and production that Watson does is incredible. Um, and I, you know, as much as people can praise them, I think it's important that we continue to do so. They're on the Horophilia Network right now. I don't know where they're going to go come February when Horophilia no longer exists. Um, they probably could go anywhere that they wanted to. So maybe they'll go independent or whatever they choose to do. But for now, you can find them on Horophilia. And I recommend that you give them a listen. Yeah, I, I completely agree because it's a great, fantastic show. Both have, you know, if you both you all know them for the most part they all they both have amazing knowledge and like me just learning the ropes of editing for our show i look up to watson with his editing style because my god that man makes his the episodes like amazing with everything that he brings and adds to the show and i think really and i really do mean pedigree and i mean that as a real compliment so i hope i believe both of them listen to this show and i and i truly do look at them as people that have really grown, you know, as podcasters and that are examples to other podcasters. Right. And that is important. Like when you become a podcaster, it's important that you listen to people that have been doing it a long time. I listened to Horror Corridor. I've listened to the Watsi Horror Party. I've listened to Exploding Heads. And I listen to what they do and I take the advice that they give. And I think that that's really valid. I remember Watson had talked about the importance of introducing yourself and they, uh, like podcasters introducing themselves and who they are. Mm -hmm. And Dave's always talked about the importance of being entertaining. And those are lessons that I listen to, you know, and I think that that's important. I think Phil's in that same area too. We have a lot of people out there that have been doing this a long time and 
it's great that we refer people to them to listen, but I think it's also important to acknowledge the accomplishments that they've made in the community as well. Absolutely. So yeah, I guess that's, that's it. We're going to now take a break before we move into our main topic on sharks. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. So our topic this week or this episode is sharks. Who should fear who? So this topic was of great interest to Scott and I. Both of us sat really like sharks, um, not as much as our boss, Jerry Herring does, but we're definitely big fans of the animal. And we just wanted to start off with some fun facts about great white sharks that we found from uh, Marine Bio species, species page. So great white sharks can reach a length of over 6.4 meters and can weigh up to 2,268 kilograms. They have a snout, pitch black eyes, a heavy torpedo shaped body, a crescent shaped, nearly equal lobbed tail fin, and is supported either side by a kegel or keel, keel. The great white, the great white swims in a stiff body tuna like fashion, unlike other sharks. So they, they and it's true, if you see them on Shark Week, they kind of do swim like a tuna, which I think is kind of cool, actually. Um, great white sharks have the wildest, widest geographic range of any marine animal. They are found in all cold temperatures and tropic waters, ranging from central California coast, and they can be found out hunting near elephant seal hideouts areas from October to March. They've also been seen off the western coast of South Africa, where they can be found hunting seals as well from May to September. In North America, white great whites have been reported from Newfoundland to Florida, up to Alaska to southern Mexico. So the reason why they're able to track all this movement of sharks now is because of satellites. So satellites have allowed us to get a better idea of how far sharks travel. Recent research on the interactions between great whites and various species of sails, seals and sea lions suggests that great whites hunt their prey visually, using their dark dorsal colors to help them blend in while cruising near rocky bottoms, they watch for the unsuspecting seal on the surface. So this is kind of where we see it in movies where sharks attack swimmers, mistaking them for seals. 
Yeah. So what they will typically do is that they will ram into their prey, trying to stun it, and then they'll take a large bite and they return to feed on the carcass. They do have litters, and that can range anywhere between two and 10. I guess it would be pups, is would be the name for that. Yeah. Litters, right? And sharks can live up to 30 years, if not poached and murdered by humans. <laughs> right. And that is the issue. Right? So great whites are very curious, and most so-called quote-unquote attacks appear to be motivated by curiosity rather than a desire to feed an attack on humans are not typically fatal. So usually what will happen is that they bite, realizing it's a human, and then the human will typically bleed out. So the reason why we started off with those kind of fun facts about great whites is because we will be talking about sharks throughout. We're going to be hitting up all of the major jaw films and also Cruel Jaws, which is not an official sequel, but some people consider it to be. And unfortunately, as awesome as Jaws is and how great that movie is, the creation of Jaws really further promoted this fear of sharks. And yeah. there's an article we're going to read from the University of Melbourne called How Jaws Killed Sharks. So, the iconic movie that gave its audience nightmare for days, Jaws has shaped a generation of people to fear sharks. People were confronted with a terrifying monster that roamed the deep, vast ocean, and Jaws reached into a fear that they didn't even know that they had. It's been over 40 years since Jaws hit cinemas around the world. And even though this was a generation before myself, so this is coming from the author, the fear of the ocean's top predator has never dissipated. I think this is really true. Like, yeah, I like a lot of people is. are afraid of sharks. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll say, because, like, there's always going to be that ingrained fear of sharks now because of this film, like, especially when you're in the ocean. Right? So... For example, though, shark attacks aren't really that common. So in Australia, since 19, sorry, since 1791, there has been a total of 703 unprovoked shark attacks. So that's from 1791, like over 200 years yeah. going on. You know, we've only seen 703 unprovoked shark attacks. That's not that many. And out of those attacks, only 186 were fatal. Right. Right. And on a global, on average global release, sharks kill 10 people a year. That's nothing compared to the mosquito, which right. kills <laughs> over 700,000 people a year, which makes sense because mosquitoes carry a lot of germs and, and viruses and all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. And they're, pretty much everywhere in the world right so why is it that we're afraid of sharks and not mosquitoes and not other things so is fearing sharks really a problem though it makes sense to avoid something which could cause you harm right there's no point in even suggesting that sharks are harmless great whites in particular can be several meters long as we already talked about they have over 300 teeth and they can smell a drop of blood from thousands of meters away. That's part of their survival abilities, right? So that yeah. they're hunt for food. And that is insane that they can smell from that right? far away. But not all sharks are great whites. It's as simple as that. Yet Jaws put all sharks under the same category as these vicious bloodthirsty monsters. 
most species of sharks are shy and don't reside in areas where people populate. And really, with the great whites, as we've already read, most of the attacks are done out of curiosity. And yeah. really, yet again, the sharks were here first, right? Yep, when we, we are go, in their territory. When we go into the water and we take that risk, we take that risk with swimming in the ocean. That's what happens. <laughs> right. There's lots of things that could hurt you or kill you in the ocean, but we right? always go there. And I talked about it a couple episodes ago that I got stung by a jellyfish. Do you think I'm mad at that jellyfish because I got stung by it? No. I went into the water. I went into their habitat when I was actually told not to. There was a big sign that was like, the ocean is not safe for swimming today. And stupid Heather was like, I'm just going to go up to my knees. And that's what happened. Yep. Whose fault is that? Mine. Exactly. Right? So I think it's really important that as much as we love shark movies and they are awesome and we're going to talk about how cool they are and how the shark shark is a perfect predator for these horror movies for all these things we talked about its size the amount of teeth it has its ability to swim super quick um its ability to smell blood miles and miles away i think it's also important to note that we have way over many shark attacks human killing sharks is something like over 200 2,070, no, 275,000 sharks have been killed by humans in 2014. 10 people were killed by sharks in 2014. Wow. So we have killed way more sharks than sharks have killed humans. And that is so freaking sad. It is sad. And, you know, some of this is done for the fin trade, for the shark fin soup trade. Some of it is done just for people want to get their jaws and put them up on the wall. And I'm not blaming the movie Jaws for this, but I don't think the movie Jaws helped. So no. that's why we've had to come back with things like Shark Week and other things that have been done to help educate people about sharks. But sharks still do make this great antagonist. And that's what we're going to talk about is how they've been you know, how we've taken those behaviors and put them on steroids in films and how, you know, in one sense, it's about people's awareness to sharks abilities, which is really, really good. But it's also to understand that these are sharks on steroids. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of the things that happen in the Jaws movies probably wouldn't happen in real life, right? No. Um, or it would happen, but on a smaller scale. So let's break into the films. And we're going to start first with the movie that started it all, Jaws. Jaws was released on June 20th, 1975. What a perfect time to release a film like this. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, this is the first summer blockbuster. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's really cool. Yep, I think that's where the term blockbuster came from was this film. Wow, look at that. Look at you throwing out the knowledge. So it was directed by Steven Spielberg, um, and it was based on the Peter, is it Blanchley? Benchley? Uh, what was it? Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, Peter, Peter Benchley. Benchley's novel of the same name. So it tells the story of the police chief, Martin Brody, of Amity Island, which is a fictional sound resort, and his battle along with Matt Hooper and Quint to fight off Jaws, this, the shark that is wreaking habit on this small little town. So what are your thoughts initially on this film scott well i remember watching this at a very young age and i loved it mm -hmm. i absolutely loved this movie from beginning to end i mean how can you not 
It's well acted. Great effects for what they show you of the shark. Terrifying. Like, I know many people have had this, and this is what made people scared of the water. And Mm -hmm. even some people were scared that they would get attacked by a shark in the bathtub, like me when I was a little kid. (laughs) Bathtub shark. Yeah, bathtub shark, yes. (laughs) And, but yeah, this is just one of those films that like stands the test of time to this day, still just a phenomenal film. And I mean, hell, it's being shown at drive-ins right now. Yeah, it's actually going to be shown at movie theaters. Like that tells you what the impact it has and how it's such a summer movie. And Bruce the shark uh, was the prop that was used. Yep. Right. And I still, I agree. Exploding Heads covered this recently and it stands up. Bruce stands up and the acting and the reaction in that opening scene where the chick goes out in the water and gets killed is it sticks with you. And, you know, for a antagonist that can't speak, that is kind of just there, it has so much personality to it. It does. It really, really does. You know, it steals the show as an antagonist without saying a word. And with just being out in this vast ocean and, you know, and a lot of people have tied back to the mayor's reaction to keeping the beaches open to what's going on with COVID-19 and COVID being, I guess, Jaws. Yeah, (laughs) because like we've been, I've been comparing the uh, governor from Florida, DeSantis, as Mayor Vaughn. Yeah, and I, and you know, there's, I guess, some definitely strong comparisons there. I think what Jaws did so well was used a natural creature enhanced its size, enhanced its speed, enhanced its viciousness, that it would stalk and prey on certain people. Now, what would probably make sense is that once the shark had a feeding ground, it would stay. But as we know from what we just read, sharks don't typically eat humans. They usually bite into a human and they won't eat through the bone. They're looking for seals. Like that's what they want. So, you know, obviously it exaggerates that. And I think if people understood sharks better when Jaws came out, they would have understood that Jaws is just a real like shark on steroids exaggeration of what this creature is available, able to do. But at the time people didn't know that much. So the fear made it better and it made people go see the movie and it made them make money off of it. And, and why wouldn't you want to? And really that shark it's really not just an antagonist. It's a protagonist for a lot of people. They love that shark. They love it. They can't yeah. get enough. I mean, hell, it even be, even was a universal ride and everything at the Universal Studios for a while. And yeah. And, in front of it and stuff like that. Yeah. And they still have um, Jaws hanging there, actually, from the last time I went. Because the ride's gone, but the water area is still there. Obviously, they can't fill that in. But yeah, they, uh, they still have the shark hanging, quote unquote um that's cool yeah it's pretty cool so yeah so but we all know that there's a lot of conflicting thoughts on the quote-unquote true story yes and i will be the one that kind of dives into that so from i got this information from business insider on an article called jaws movie inspiration deadly new jersey attacks The spate of the attacks that partially inspired Jaws culminated in the town of Matawan, where a 10-year-old boy was killed on July 12, 1916, while swimming in an inland creek more than 10 miles away from the nearest ocean bay. 
However, the scenario in the 75 film and the real-life events that inspired it are highly unusual, according to George Burgess, the former director of the Florida Shark Research Program. In fact, the 1916 attacks were only one of two times in recorded history that a single shark perpetuated multiple attacks on humans. Burgess said typically sharks avoid humans, and the rare cases in which these predators do chomp on a swimmer are usually hit and runs, kind of like what you were saying, Heather. But on July 1st, 1916, Charles Van Zant was maimed in the water in front of a hotel in Beach Haven, New Jersey. He died as a result of his wounds. Less than a week later, Charles Bruder perished in the Spring Lake just 50 miles up the Jersey Shore. His legless body was pulled from the waters. Then you get 10-year-old Lester Stillwell, who was bitten and dragged under the water while playing with his friends in Matawan Creek. A 24-year-old local, Watson Stanley Fisher, hurried into the creek to look for Stillwell's body, but he too was mauled by the shark and eventually died. And then that same day, just a mile downstream, 14-year-old Joseph Dunn was also bitten. He did survive the attack, however. These third and fourth deaths thrust New Jersey's shark problem into the national spotlight and marked a turning point in America's collective psyche, according to Burgess. Sharks were no longer just interesting marine animals, they could be killers. President Woodrow Wilson allotted federal aid to drive away all the ferocious man-eating sharks which have been making prey of bathers. The Philadelphia Evening Ledger said on July 15th that the shark menace was formally discussed the day before at a cabinet meeting in Washington. The newspaper reported that a ship would be dispatched to cooperate with the Coast Guard and activate warfare against sharks Meanwhile, in New Jersey, fishermen, Coast Guard members, and townspeople would throw sticks of dynamite into Matawan Creek and used wire nets to try to capture the offending animal. Local fishermen ended up catching various shark suspects, including a 215-pound, nine-and-a-half-foot-long female shark with 12 babies in her belly, which, oh. that is so sad. Uh, but then finally, New Yorker Michael Schleiser caught and killed an eight-foot, 325-pound great white just a few miles from where Stillwell and Fisher were attacked. The creature had 15 pounds of human flesh in its stomach. Wow. So, so that's, is that believed one of the, like, that's where Jaws came from? Yes, that, like, um, Peter Blanchier, I forget, uh, he, he denies that the story that he wrote for the book was based off of that attack. Yeah, because that's what it says on another website, right? That they yep. said that wasn't the case. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm going to jump right into that because, yeah, obviously there's some conflicting views here. Yeah. So the next article is History versus Hollywood, Real Faces of Jaws. Uh, so this is Jaws. Is, this article says that Jaws is not a true story. It is based on Peter Benchley's novel of the same name. The Jaws author had a lifelong fascination with sharks and said that he came up with the concept for the novel after reading about a great white shark that had been caught by fisherman Frank Mundus in 1964. Benchley references the incident in the introduction to his book. In 1964, I read an item in a newspaper about a fisherman who harpooned a 4,500-pound great white shark off Long Island. I remember thinking at the, at the time, Lord, what would happen if one of those monsters came into a resort community and wouldn't go away? I tucked the item into my wallet and for the time being forgot about it. Robert Shaw's character, Quint, was actually inspired by Frank Mundus, a shark hunter who became a shark conservationist later in life. Interesting. And I would probably say that that is probably more realistic. If that's the author, that's probably exactly where he got the idea from, right? Right. So it makes me wonder if maybe Steven Spielberg 
kind of just used ideas from the 1916 New Jersey attack. Well, was there brought into the that film as well. used that was like that? I guess the multiple attacks, maybe. Yeah, because there was the multiple attacks. Like, because uh, we'll get to a movie that covers that attack specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some of the scenes in that film were very reminiscent of what happens in Jaws. And, like, kind of reminiscent of what we were reading in the article, too. So it kind of makes me think that Steven Spielberg might have taken some inspiration from that real life attack interesting. yeah i didn't get that but that's an interesting take yeah you might be right for sure so it's, i guess sorry go ahead i was just say yeah it's one of those things where it's just kind of like you gotta listen to, i guess you just gotta like believe what you believe because both probably both sides would probably tell a different story peter blanche and steven spielberg or they may say the same story yeah, I, I don't think we got any information on that. It's just interesting that when you Google Jaws true story, there's two very conflicting things that come up. And I just think right. that's cool. Like, I think that goes to prove to what we're going to talk about later in Out of the Dark, um, that sometimes, <laughs> you know, you can't always believe what people tell you, right? Exactly. Like, I'm going to believe that the author is the one that's the most accurate. That's what I'm going to believe. And the novel of what the novel was based off of. That's yeah. what I'm probably going to go with. But yeah, so anyway, Jaws was so successful. It was it was a huge successful movie. And it spawned several sequels. So the first one is Jaws 2. And it was released, released on June 16th, 1978. So Jaws 2 depicts the same town three years after the events of the original film. When another great white shark arrives on the shores of Amity Island. So... I don't believe this shark is coming back for revenge. No, I think this was just a coincidence. It was a coincidence. I would have preferred it more if it had been a shark coming back for revenge, even though there's no set connection that sharks hunt, as we didn't see anything that they hunt in packs. or that oh, They, they actually do hunt in packs of like two to three usually. Two to three. Well, that's okay. But that's not like a big pack, but I guess, yeah, two sharks hanging out together. So it would be interesting if I guess one of their shark mates was killed and then they came back again um what did you think of jaws 2 well i like that they kept it serious Mm -hmm. like you know when some sequels happen they kind of go a little more corny and hokey with it but they kept it serious and kind of true to the original movie however this one was really boring till about it it really drug yeah like, like it was just like dragging its heels like yeah it and some of the character decisions, like, once again, you know, Brody's talking to everybody saying, hey, I think this is happening again. And you think only, like, what was it, two, three years after the incidents after of the first movie, if the police chief that killed the first shark is saying, hey, I think this is happening again, and it's the same mm-hmm. people that were involved in the first incident as well, mm-hmm. you might want to just believe him for safety's sake and shut down the beaches and stuff again but once again that mayor just says oh you're just being paranoid it's not back and i think that was just kind of dumb like mm-hmm. that it, they should have just like taken action and kind of shut the beaches down just to see if it was true or not i agree with you i think that it's kind of silly that three years later he's like yeah man i don't believe you like yeah. he kind of goes from being a hero to like no, like the crazy Brody, right? right like, exactly. I, I just find that a little dumb. Like in three years' time, you're going to be like, "Oh, this guy's a fucking idiot, and he doesn't know what's going on," even though he just saved our entire town from this quote-unquote man-eating shark, like three yeah. years ago. I, I find that it's it's 
you know, I, I do like when he's down in the water and he goes out to the water and I forget what he brings in. Is it a body that he finds? Yeah, because he finds a chunk of a surfboard or yes. a body or boogie board or whatever they call yeah, that. Yeah, he finds a person, right? Yeah, he finds a person attached to it and the body like pops out of the water, which yeah, was a good kind of jump moment. Scared, right? It was a great jump scare. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I enjoyed the kids being rebellious and wanting to go out on the sailboats and not caring and like, his son taking his courses like <laughs> his little brother's got to come along and they both go out on the sailboats and that and I, scene i enjoyed but i get again felt like it was too long yeah like i liked how with the kids like he was trying to like listen to his dad but then he had this hot girl that he was interested in going mm-hmm. oh come on sneak out anyways come on you, you want you want me to ride in your boat right and what young teenage boy isn't gonna do that who wouldn't do that now Right. Right. But yeah, like I agree, it just took too long to get there. But then when they are on those boats out in the middle of of the ocean and those attacks happen, that third act is really good. Yes, it is. And he gets on the main boat and I found the shark was suspenseful. Like it was scary. The shark would come out of the water and pretty good special effects. Did they use Bruce? Was it the same shark? Yeah, I'm not sure on that one, but like I'm thinking it might not have been. No, maybe they got something more impressive. But I felt like I felt like the performance in it by Chief Brody, he seemed tired the entire time. Yeah. Like he just seemed like he had a fucking like enough. Like he was done with everybody's shit and he was and he was tired and he was finished and he was almost going crazy about the shark. And I would have liked maybe this is just my, you know, preference. I would have loved, even though it's yet again not believable but a shark to come back and seek revenge because we're already doing sharks on steroids anyway we're already right. taking their behaviors and completely exaggerating them so why would it not make it that and maybe spoiler when we get to the fourth one i actually kind of like that concept yep like i i liked it i thought it was cool because i don't take this shit seriously these aren't real shark movies we just learned about what sharks do and these movies have exaggerated the behaviors yeah, exactly. Right? On, like, yes, there are similarities to things, and they've capitalized on it. But like any good horror movie, then you make it on steroids and you make it exaggerated. So, I didn't mind this movie, but I do find it drags, and it's not something that I would want to rush out and rewatch. No, like, cause the first time I wat- I started watching it for you know for our show prep, I ended up falling asleep about twenty minutes in, and <laughs> I don't normally fall asleep to movies that often. Yeah, And it put me to sleep, and then I had to wake up and go, well, crap, I don't remember anything that happened. All right, I'll start from the beginning, and then I'm going, why did I do that? <laughs> so long to get to anything good. But You're like, and this drags out forever. Yeah, it's it's just such a chore to get through. Like, and not a chore, I shouldn't say chore, but like, it is such just something you just got to push through the first act, especially. The first act is very slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. But I will say that it follows up the first one well. Yeah. Like, they keep with the same tone. They, you know, keep with very similar characters. Like, obviously, the kids are different because I don't think they could get kids at age that quickly in that time. No. Even though it's three years, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that consistency. It would have been cool to see um, Richard Dreyfuss' character come back. Right. You know, I I think that would have been cool, but obviously there was reasons why he didn't. But it's I will give them credit that they follow each other well. And that's probably why we have such a big cap 
between that one and Shark 3D, or which Jaws was 3D. Just, sorry, Shark Shark. No, no, Shark 3D is the new one yeah. that Shark I just Night created. 3D. Shark. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> Shark Bait was painful to begin with. Anyway, oh, I love that movie. Do you really? Of course you do. It was fun. Do. It was fun. All right, Jaws 3D was released on July 22nd, 1983, which was a great year. 1983. <laughs> I wonder who was born that was year. a year of blessings. So this one moves away from Amity Island to SeaWorld, <laughs> Florida. Oh my God. Which we know sharks can go down to Florida. That's a thing. Great whites are there. A water theme park with an underwater tunnels and lagoons as the park prepares to open. Um, it's infiltrated by a baby great white, which attacks and kills water skiers and parks employers once the baby shark is captured. It becomes apparent that a much larger shark, the mother, is present. So, what do you think of Jaws 3D? What a dumb movie. <laughs> you know what? I hate SeaWorld, okay? I'm going to yes. try. Watch Blackfish. If you I don't, I don't want to. I, I do not want to. <laughs> more for the listeners. Watch Blackfish. Um, even if a fraction of Blackfish is true, it's enough to not go there. Yeah. So I hate SeaWorld to begin with. But this was just basically a commercial for SeaWorld. It was yeah. a, however long this was, almost two hours or whatever the length was, a, a commercial for SeaWorld. It absolutely was. Right. And, like, the story is just dumb. Like, the whole... Uh, Baby shark getting captured. Okay, that could possibly happen with a baby shark getting in the tanks and whatnot. But then the mother shark getting revenge like that. Like, this is where it goes hokey. Well, the thing is, you're cheering for the mother shark the entire time. Yeah, because you don't like, care about any characters. you actually want her to kill everybody. Like, that was the only thing I can say about this film. Is when the baby shark dies. Spoiler. Baby shark dies in captivity which even made me angry about animals like this was just a movie that made me angry about animals being in captivity right <laughs> anyway and um particularly marine animals especially large ones yeah and like at the part where the baby shark's floating on his belly like yeah and it's dead and it's and all those people are staring at it and it's in this little lagoon and it's dead and like oh it's so fucking depressing it is it really is like it's just and Okay, what is with this Michael Brody guy? Like, this dude now has been in multiple situations where the water, like, he's been almost attacked by sharks. And he's all like, yeah, like, totally, that's cool that you have a shark. And he gets in to help her with the baby, Great White, at one point, his girlfriend. Yeah. And, like, the whole time, I'm like, wouldn't this guy be traumatized from this? Like, it just seems right. like it was such a random diversion No, but they just needed to the add... The Trilogy, or the yeah. Jaws Trilogy. And they just needed to add a brody to the story to make it an official sequel i guess yeah and like that's it, that's why that was the only kind of continuing character not even the same actor character dennis, yeah. dennis quaid did a great job i like dennis quaid to be honest with you and yeah, I, think I think he's fine. just a job he made to like an acting job he did to make money to like yep. build up his acting career um but yeah and and like when the shark goes crazy and the 3d of it looks so bad like you need oh, it's glasses and stuff to enjoy it and i feel like if you have that you're going to enjoy it more because it was just dreadful and yes the shark could be in florida yes it could do some of the stuff it did here but it was just so um over the top silly with going through the sea world shit like i don't even know what else to say about it besides the fact that i did enjoy the fact that it was revenging its baby 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much the only good thing about this movie, really. Like, that was the only thing I liked, which is so ridiculous, which would never happen. Right. And even here, it talks about how the events and the characters developed from Jaws are an independent from the rest of the series, because it really is Jaws 1, 2, and then 4 follow up on each other. And yeah. then Jaws 3 is just, like, there. Yep, exactly. Right. And so it just, It's one of those just, like, it's the redheaded stepchild of the Jaws movies. Yeah, and just one big commercial for SeaWorld. Yeah. So finally we'll move to Jaws the Revenge. So oh. this was released on July 17th, 1987. So the fourth and final Jaws the Revenge sees the storyline returning to Amity Island, but ignores all the plots elements introduced in Jaws 3D. No one mentions is made no mention is made to Michael's girlfriend from the previous film or his career change from an engineer at SeaWorld to a marine biologist, which are two very different degrees. Like just, just I know a this. Bit. I work at a university, they are completely different courses, but that's fine. You know? <laughs> We're just pretending that Thra- Jaws 3D didn't happen. Um, Aren't we all? And even so much so that in one of the Universal Studios press releases for the Jaws Revenge even omitted omits Jaws 3D by entirely by referring to Jaws Revenge as the third film of the remarkable Jaws trilogy. <laughs> so, you know, at the beginning of the film, we're aware that um, Martin Brody has died of a heart attack, although his wife, Ellen Brody, claims that he died of the fear of the shark, right? So at the beginning, you actually get a pretty sad scene. Yeah. Like, where her youngest son is killed. And it is a little cheesy how they're using the camera angles. It kind of reminded me of Orca. Like, oh, kind of, yeah. Right? How it's it, the shark has a camera angle, angle of coming in. And <laughs> like, you feel bad when Sean gets killed. Like, kind of sucks. Yeah, I'll say, like, it's very sad. And then it's really sad because it pushes his mother over the edge completely. Yeah, she's just kind of, like, shocked throughout the now mind you by this point she should be (laughs) it's been like this makes more sense than michael and the third jumping in the water with a baby shark like this actually makes sense that she would be so post-traumatic stress syndrome that she would not want to even be anywhere or want her kids anywhere near the water that's actually a very fair statement though michael still is obsessed with going into the waters yeah so still michael is like damn it i'm gonna go to the bahamas which we've learned now that like and the idea is that sharks can't be in hot water. Well, we've seen, or hot water, warmer climates. Well, we've seen from the satellites that we talked about earlier that sharks can travel, especially great whites, in various conditions. So yeah. perhaps knowing what we know now with satellites, maybe it isn't too impossible that the shark could have made it to the Bahamas. I'm not saying that it would go into water that shallow because, right. you know, whatever the case may be with the size of this shark. But as we read at the beginning, that now that we have satellites tracking sharks, they have traveled very Southern. So maybe it is a possibility. Maybe it's not. Either way, (laughs) it really wasn't the thing that made this film. I think the idea that the film, that the film, that the shark follows Alan and the family from Amityville Island to the Bahamas is what's really hard to swallow. Yes, literally the shark, the re- the part Jaws, the revenge, is literally true. The shark is getting revenge. The way I look at this is I pictured this shark, because obviously part three didn't happen, 
And I picture this shark is the one last shark that was left in the hunting pack of the first two sharks mm. in Jaws 1 and 2. And he said, you know what? I am tired of these brodies, and I am hunting every last one of them down, so help me God. That's yeah. how I pictured this movie. And I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. You and know. This movie is just bananas, and I love it. I like it a lot, and like I'm sure we're gonna get flack for this, but I actually enjoyed this film quite. I like Michael Caine in it too. Yeah, I like Michael his little Caine is weird great. Romance with Ellen, I think it's cute. Like, I actually That's... enjoyed their little like back and forth romantic stuff that they were doing. Yeah, and I enjoyed the banter between the Jamaicans and Michael on the boat, and like yeah, like the shark really does play a background role role to this. Like she's the shark is more in her head than it yeah. is physically there. You know, it's only with the banana boat scene, which makes me laugh because I just went to Dominican public last year and I remember being out on a banana boat. <laughs> nice. Laughing at that. Um, and like, it's, and, and the shark attacks them. Like, it's, it's entertaining. Like, is yeah. it a really good film? Of course not. But I'm sorry, when you go into the fourth Jaws movie, like, your expectations, I, I don't know, my expectations weren't that high. No, mine were low. But I can and... say I enjoyed the beautiful waters. Where it, was, it was a beautiful setting being at the Bahamas. Right, and it was super cheesy. The showdown at the end between Ellen and the shark was super cheese cheese. And but I feel like the shark was more played a role, and I said it already, in her head. Yeah. And it was more like a psychological movie than it was an actual shark movie. Yeah. And uh like in that third act where you know the shark is attacking a lot of things, it almost plays out like a slasher film. Absolutely. The way yeah. he stalks his victims and like stalks mm -hmm. the family the entire time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just you take it as the fourth Jaws movie and you just roll with it. And if you do, you're gonna have fun with this film. It's I mean, for crying out loud, the shark roars. Sharks don't roar, <laughs> but this one does, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. And like yet again, these are sharks have steroids. Like these are sharks doing the things that sharks, you know, when as you said, roaring, right? Like, but yeah, I honestly, you know, not that I think anything after the first Jaws is really anything to write home about. No. But if I, if someone said to me, you got to watch two, three, or four, I would choose four. Like, if I had to watch one again, I'd be like, four, man. Like, at least I can watch Michael Caine and Alan flirt with each other. And that's cute. And like, the, the daughter's cute. And like, you know, it has a nice little feel good ending to it. Like, I'll take that. D absolutely. Like, Two and three, I will probably never watch again. I just found two Jaws. just so long. And three is just, it's just a commercial for SeaWorld. Like, that's yeah. really what it is, right? So. Yeah, and Jaws and Jaws the Revenge are easily rewatchable to me for both those films. Right. So, but not a horrible film. I, I don't know. Like, they are what they are. And I think if you know that going into them, you'll be fine. Now, one movie that we're going to talk about very briefly, because it it kind of markets itself as a, sequel to Jaws, but it's not actually part of the Jaws franchise, is Cruel Jaws, also known as The Beast, and it was came out in 1995 and it's direct-to-video Italian thriller shot in Florida, um, including the Theater of the Sea, and it stars a cheap version of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what me and Tim were talking about last time we were watching it. I was waiting for him to come out and be like, when you hurt my friends, you hurt my pride. I am a real <laughs> He like rips his shirt, <laughs> starts doing his like poses and stuff. But like, 
Yeah, Scott's doing them right now. Actually, no, he's not. I don't know what he's doing. He's doing some kind of tango. It was like this. That oh, was right. it. Yeah, like, what? oh my goodness. Oh, I, was, I was doing the, that's what I meant to do. Oh, you were doing the, the listening with the ear? Yeah, yeah. yeah I got them yeah. mixed in together. So anyway, they say that they have a 25-foot great white shark that's chomping up the vacationers. Oh my God. And like the characters in this are so cheese. Like it was hard to get through. And it's basically the original plot of Jaws. Mixed yeah. in with like SeaWorld because they're kind of at this aqua marina. So it's kind of mixed in with Jaws 3D because there's like some kind of training they're doing with like dolphins and shit as well. Oh, this movie. <laughs> did I just put that together for you? That it was kind of a mix between the two, but no, like, I, I kind of gathered that. But uh, and just... there's like a gangster involved that's trying to get the mayor to open the beaches. Like it's just so, like you got oh. the marina, you got the beaches that they refuse to close, you got Hulk Hogan, <laughs> and you, you got, got the Star Wars music when the shark yes. shows up. Yes, and you got every cut scene from Jaws, and what was the other movies that it cut from? I wonder if I, I copied I, it over. I, I don't think I did. Um, I know it used the, some stock footage, too. Yeah, it used a lot of stock footage from Jaws movies and, like, Blood or something else. But, yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> it is such a waste of time. Like, it's an hour and a half. It felt like three hours. It, it's terrible because there is no good quality of this movie. It is still like pretty much a rip from the VHS. So like the lighting mm -hmm. is extremely poor. The there's dubbing in some scenes and there's not dubbing in other scenes. Music comes in abruptly and then cuts back out. Then like I was saying, you have the Star Wars theme music of all things, the Star Wars theme music for when the shark shows up, except like right before it gets to that crescendo, it changes to a different song so they don't get copyright in trouble for mm -hmm. the copyright. Mm -hmm. Even though they basically copyright a whole bunch of the movies and threw them in together. <laughs> like, right. Like, it's, it's like when Tim and I were watching this last night and that music kicked on for the shark and I start humming along and he's going, wait, no, they didn't. I'm like, they did. He's like, the, how did they get away with that? I'm like, I'm not Nobody sure. saw this movie. That's yeah. how I got away with it. Like, George Lucas would have fucking sued the shit out of them. Yeah, and George Lucas don't have much to do at this time in 1995. Like, I don't even know if there's any Star Wars films coming in. Is that when that first wave of Star Wars films came out? You know, the ones that are really shitty? Kind of close to it. Like, Was only, it? Okay. Yeah, I think like a few years, uh, think a few years apart. Okay. I just lost all our Star Wars fans there. Well, no, uh, everyone hates that. I would Majority hope of people so. hate that. What are they? Chapter one, two, three? Is that what they are? Yeah, most people hate yeah. that. Yeah, that they're trilogy. not. They're not good. But anyway, this movie is just a bunch of ripoff shot. But it, I had to watch it because I'm like, well, if it's trying to say that it's like the fifth Jaws, but it's yeah. not really Jaws, I gotta check this out. And the Italian movies are just so funny with their over dramatic acting and their over dramatic and ridiculousness. It's so fun. Like yeah, really like. And it, it's almost like Bruno Mattei, like, watched parts of Jaws, like, and just said, yeah, I can make a sequel to this. Yeah, totally. Totally. Just, oh, God. It's such a waste of time. But at the same time, it's one of those where it's like, well, you just got to check it out because it's got notoriety. I would agree with you 100%. So the final movie we're going to talk about is actually a made-for-TV movie. 
And it's called 12 Days of Terror, and it was a 2004 television film. Uh, it first, it premiered on Animal Planet and Discovery Channel. And it's based on the true story of what Scott already talked about earlier, the 1916 Jersey shark attacks, um, in which a great white, which they think is a great white, but later on suspect that it's a bull shark. Yep. Because bull sharks can go into fresh water. Um, and that happens up a lot in Quebec because we have bull white sharks that can swim up to the St. Lawrence and that are able to get up into the freshwater area. So I'm not saying they attack people, but it can right. happen up in that area. So it's based on true events that occurred from the 1st to the 12th of July in uh, 1916 in central and southern New Jersey. And you already went through a lot of this already, but I really liked this movie. It got a lot of hate on Letterboxd, and honestly, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I don't get the hate for it. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Like, especially, like, it's detailing, like, the true possible story of the events that happened. Like, and I'm a sucker for period pieces, and this is set in 1916, and I think they pretty much did this really well. I think like, they covered 1916 perfectly. I think they yeah. covered how the women would dress, how the men would be. Like, there's a side kind of, like, romance story going on that's not fully romance. Um, how they treat the the hunter who sees the shark and everyone treats him like he's the town crazy. Yeah. Like, that would happen. No one would believe that this bull because we didn't know enough about bull sharks back then to know what they were capable of doing. Right. Right. And from what you read and from what that movie was, it sounds like they pretty much followed what happened. Yeah, I'll say like it's almost to a T from like what what I've researched. Right. And the the acting of when these attacks occur is quite good and pretty realistic to how a shark would attack. There's a lot of a lot of these people died not because the shark necessarily ate them, but because they bled out. Yeah, because they got that the giant bike marks on them and then they get taken back and just, just too late by the time they get Yeah, rescued. they bleed out. That's what happens. They bleed out. There's the first guy at the beginning that you talked about the story about the young man that dies outside of the hotel. They show that. He gets bit by the shark. The lifeguards go out and get him. They bring him in. He's bleeding everywhere. They get him into the hospital, like the hospital, to the hotel. But this is 1916. Even now, if you get a bite out of your fucking thigh, yeah. unless you're able to stop that bleeding, you're going to bleed out. Like, that is just how the story yep. goes. Yeah, because you got arteries right there. Right? And you're not going to make it. So it was very, very accurate to what would happen from a shark attack. And whether that shark was driven inland because it was looking for food and it wasn't able to find it or whatever the case may have been, the movie's very, very good. I actually strongly recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't say here. it's a real horror film. I would say it's definitely more of like um, kind of like reminds a, me of an um, action adventure maybe. I don't know. I would say I would almost put it in the category that the movie we covered last episode, Alive, kind of yeah. in that category, like where it's just the true event retelling. Absolutely. And this seems pretty accurate to the events. Like they do a pretty damn good job of not sensationalizing it, of yes. basically enacting what you probably would have done in 1916, how they would have handled these injuries, how they would have handled media releases. Like it's all very, very accurate and fair like yes the love story is a little cheesy but even that isn't too much like it's not no. overly thrown in your face 
No, it's not. And like one thing that I thought was uh, smart that they did, they showed in the beginning, like when they were just kind of like leading up to the film itself, but like showing like the effects after the shark had attacked where you see people throwing dynamite into the waters and shooting Mm -hmm. the water with guns and stuff like that. Like Mm -hmm. the overreaction that everybody ended up going with. Absolutely. And that's how people would react out of fear, right? We've already talked about the lack of knowledge that people would have had about sharks like if we have people that have lack of knowledge about sharks now can you like and it's the time of google and shark week and like youtube you can find out things about sharks in two yeah. seconds Pristine back in 1916 life. you wouldn't have had that accessibility to that kind of knowledge right so right it's it's a fun movie i recommend watching it, it um i did watch it on a friend's plex so i don't know where you can watch it i assume you could probably rent it somewhere and i would think it's worth the rental like i think it's just really interesting if you like sharks and you want to see a more realistic shark story i i definitely recommend it yep same here i thought it was a really well done film like especially for made for tv yes especially for made for tv so the only other two movies i wanted to briefly talk about i'm not going to go into them too much but the other two shark films that i've really enjoyed from the last couple of years one was the shallows from 2016 it was released on june 24th 2016 yet again really smart time to release a movie about sharks uh blake lively's in it she goes surfing while she's surfing she gets basically attacked by a great white and i think it's territorial because there's a dead whale that i think it's feeding off of and she thinks and the shark thinks that it she's coming into its territory which i think is a little realistic now it does get unrealistic with her survival she would have got definitely dehydrated passed out before she survived that like when she's holding on to the buoy and like swinging around and shit like it's it's a lot of fun but it's it's pretty cheese cheese but i really yeah. like the shark in it and i really like the shark effects of it yep same here and like like there were some smart scenes in it or like tense scenes in it too like her mm-hmm. trying to climb up the carcass of the whale to get out of the shark's way for a bit there and like you know she even did the whole portrayal of like her what was it the broken foot or something like that like she had like a hurt foot yeah she had a hurt foot she had she had multiple shit going on like she was pretty fucked up yeah and then the guy that steals her stuff goes into the water and he gets attacked and then the other buddies the surfer guys come out to help her and they get attacked um yeah and then she eventually ends up on on the sand and the little boy finds her i kind of get well he'll be talking about spoilers but yeah it's a really good shark movie and obviously you got to suspend disbelief in her sense of survival but i think how the shark reacts would probably be somewhat accurate until it gets like stuck under for that long i don't know if it would hang around for that long right um, like i think it would eat till it got its full or got its fill and then leave yeah i would assume right but it's a movie and you got to have that to move around the plot and then 47 meters down uncaged it's a 2000 a 19 American British survival horror film that was released on August 16, 2019, a little bit late in the season for a shark movie. I like this one because the sharks are blind. Um, yes. And they're underwater and they're going through these cabins. And I like was cheering for the sharks as much as I like really didn't want the girls to die. I kind of like the sharks. So I'm like, wow, they've adapted and they've managed to survive this long. That just shows you the powerful predators that they are. Uh, yep. And that's what I took from that movie, really. Yep. And I took it, I took this one. Because, you know, uh, what was it, 47 meters down was a lot more, like, just dead serious. Mm-hmm. And this one had a little more, a little more of, like, as you would say, the cheese cheese. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it makes it, like, that fun style shark movie where you have tense, uh, tense scenes, like, some good scares. Mm-hmm. Some ridiculous situations that could happen. But, yeah, the way the sharks were 
presented in this too were really cool. And yeah, I thought it was a great movie. I always like that scene where you think they're going to get out. Like, and if that stupid chick hadn't pulled and got so eager to get out of there, they yes. probably would have made it out. But because yeah. she didn't, and the dad's like, it's okay, you're going to be fine, you're going to be fine, and then she chop. <laughs> yeah, she right? got what was coming to her. Right, and like it was just, it was, it was brutal, very brutal kills. Obviously, the sharks are yet again very, very aggressive, but maybe they would be because there wouldn't be a lot of food down there. You know, so yeah. maybe in that situation they would be because they're hungry and they think it's seals or whatever they think it is. And yeah, cause I think they were even in wetsuits too, which I think I've heard okay. confuses the sharks. And I bet that. Too. You know, they're sharks for goodness sakes. Like they aren't like, oh, maybe that's a human. Like they have right. no idea. They're not going to sit there and logic that out. So anyway, I, those are two movies that have come out that I really enjoyed. Is there any shark movie that you wanted to mention <clears throat> that you dug? Uh, yeah, actually, I I didn't put it on the list, but uh, The Reef. Oh, yeah? You you liked it? Yeah, I really liked that movie because, like, it's just, uh, obviously, stupid situation, like, with mm-hmm. everything that happens with the boat flipping over and them, like, just kind of getting set adrift. Um, and then, what was it, like, 12 miles they had to swim or something crazy? Yeah, it was something like that. I have, it's been a while since I've seen it. But just the tense situations of the shark like sharks kind of surrounding them and it's not like the shark is like haha i'm gonna follow you follow you follow you the Mm. whole time it's just like they would attack and disappear for a while and like Mm. come back again and attack again like a couple days later like it it made sense the way the attacks were happening it wasn't like trying to just pick them off one by one at the same time like i i like the way they did that film like it was very realistic because that's based off a true event as well which kind of ties into our last segment but yeah i thought this was a good film especially for if, if you're in the mil- mood for a serious shark film this one takes itself seriously uh kind of like i guess it's kind of along the lines of open water because once again i still have not got around to seeing open water have not been able to find like a copy that i didn't want to rent yet yeah i but, wouldn't say it's rental it's it's a pretty sad movie yeah like, and i'm not in the mood for sad. like but yeah, I I think this is uh definitely one of the newer films that is worth a watch, and just because it's dumb fun, got to bring up the Meg. Yeah, I like the Meg. I thought it was uh it was a fun movie. Like I hear a lot of people complain that oh, there's not enough gore in this film. Well, you do see the size of the shark, right? It's not going to actually bite anybody. It's going to be swallowing them whole like that's their pills. That's a really good point. <laughs> but that's actually it's, a really good point. Yeah. It's just a dumb summer blockbuster, and you know, sharks that size were are proven to have existed. I mean, we have fossils of it. It's and, true. And it's true. you're 100 percent right. I would be scared shitless if something like that still lived in these waters. Right, and and where it comes from, right? It's a good story. It's it's yeah. fun. Yeah, I'll say it's exactly what you want when you go in to go in to watch the film. Exactly, I agree. And it was fun. I saw it in the theaters and I really enjoyed it. I think I saw it in like, um, uh, what do they call it here? D-Box. So like you sit in a chair and it shakes and stuff. And, oh, nice. And it's like 3D and, and you get like mist on you and See, stuff We don't like have that. anything like that here in Michigan as far as I know. So stupid. Yeah, it's a shame. I know. But, guess, uh, I guess Michigan's just going to have to invade Canada. That's all mm-hmm. there's. Yeah, it goes from across Niagara. <laughs> My fingers yep. when you say that. I bet you'd be like, Wee! 
Like, like that's how desperate I am to get the hell out of this country, Heather. Just to, I, I'm gonna do it. So it's okay. Team America's gonna come and save all you oh guys. My God. Team America, fuck yeah. Girl. So that's our main topic on sharks and how much we love them. So hug a shark, love a shark, give him a kiss on the cheek. Do not hurt the sharks. No. Sharks are not food. They are friends. Yep. Sharks are part of the ecological system. <laughs> they, they are part of this world. They've been here longer than us, and they deserve to stay here. <laughs> At this point, they may be here even longer. <laughs> yeah, no shit. They're just waiting shit out. That's what they're doing. They're just yeah, waiting pretty shit much. Out. <laughs> and so finally, we're going to move into our Out of the Dark segment. And, um, you know, when we talked about the true story behind Jaws here. It got Scott and I thinking about based on a true story or true event and what the difference between <laughs> both of our dogs are barking like crazy tonight. They're just, they're talking to each other. That's what's happening. They're actually having a doggy podcast. So um, one of the things that we talked about was inspired by true events. So when something says inspired by true events, it's a vague statement. It can mean that one character is based on a real person or a historical time period in which the movie takes place, or it can mean the movie is more or less a biopic. So it's very, very, very flexible. Um, inspired from a true story is the adaptation of a story and spinning a new tale altogether. Characters usually have different names. The setting, the progression of scenes can sometimes be a little similar with a true story. So when we think of the movie Open Water, that's based on a, inspired by a true story, but really we don't know what happened to those people in the middle of the ocean. We'll never know what happened to them. They were out in the middle of absolute nowhere and we will never know what, what their actual conversation was, how it went that if they got attacked by a shark, how they dealt with that situation. It's impossible to know because no one was there. So that's right. why we have things like inspired from a true story. Now, something like Alive where they have multiple people that survive that can tell what happened Yes, in that case, you're probably going to have more of an accurate version of what occurred. Also in horror, we have like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we know is inspired by true events. I seriously doubt that the Texas Chainsaw or Ed Gein <laughs> acted yeah. in the way that, <laughs> well, we know he didn't, in the way that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre plays out, right? Yeah, they, that is a... I think that whole based on the true story for that one was just used to sell the movie. Absolutely. And it's sensational, right? Yeah. Another movie that came out uh, in my area, and I'm just kind of Googling the year, it was called Carla the Movie. Did you ever hear this movie, Scott? No, I have not. So it's a crime thriller, and Carla Homolka was the girlfriend of someone named Paul Bernardo. So for those of my uh, Canadian brothers and sisters that live in Ontario, there was a, a, a man known as a Scarborough rapist, and he raped many, many women, and he also murdered some young girls. One girl's body was found about 10 minutes from my house when I was young growing up, and this really haunted me and a lot of my friends when we were younger. She was a couple years older than me. Um, then there was a girl that was kidnapped from Burlington, which is where I lived at the time. And her body was found in St. Catharines, which is just about 20 minutes outside of Niagara Falls. And, it, you know, Carla Homolka was the girlfriend of Paul Bernardo. And 
assisted him with a lot of these crimes, would usually coax girls into the car and stuff like that. And what happened with this movie, so this movie was made in 2006, and I remember when the movie came out, it wasn't played in any theaters within Southern Ontario. Um, people wanted to not even acknowledge that the movie existed. So I've never seen it. And I, and I assume that it's sensationalized a little bit, but it's reflecting the story. So I know it's based on true events because that actually happened, but I don't know how accurate it is to the, to the story. Do you have anything like that around you, Scott? The closest thing, like, cause there's a lot of films that are based on true stories, like true romance uh, Escanaba in the Moonlight, Eight mm. Mile, stuff like that that are based in Michigan. <laughs> so Eight Mile is <laughs> probably the closest, I guess, huh? Yeah, well, apparently there is a weird, loose connection to a true murders that happened in 1900s here in Michigan that Jeepers Creepers apparently is based off of. Oh, really? Yeah. Though Jeepers Creepers never does say it's based on true events, but apparently... The murders in Michigan are kind of what inspired the story. And what were the murders in Michigan? Uh, I got to look that up. I read this article just recently. Uh, well, that's interesting, though, that Jeepers Creepers could have been inspired by that. That's really cool. Well, I guess not when we look at back at Jeepers Creepers, but I think it's it's interesting how films or whatever, and I'm surprised if they were inspired by real life murders, they wouldn't have actually used that as a as a backbone to something to market them. Because I think you're right with the comment that you made earlier that a lot of times true events or inspired by a true story, like Outback, for example, was they used that to kind of promo them, to promo the movie so people would want to watch it. But when I tried to Google whether it was on a true event or not, I couldn't actually find any true mm. events that it was connected to. Even right. though at the end they try to say what happened to those characters um, in real life, quote unquote, there was no proof of that story. Yeah, and I actually did find the murders, and it's actually more recent than I thought. Uh, based on a 1990 incident on Easter Sunday in Coldwater, Michigan, Marilyn Depew, a high school counselor, vanished under suspicious circumstances. Depew's husband, was, Dennis, was immediately the prime suspect. They had a rocky marriage, and when she filed for divorce, he snapped. Depew assaulted his wife in front of their three children and then took her away. She was later murdered by a gunshot to the back of the head. Her, he left her body behind in an abandoned church and fled Michigan. And apparently it was a case on Unsolved Mysteries, uh, March 20th, 1991. So how is that connected to Jeepers Creepers? I think because of the bodies that are found in that church. I oh, think that might be part of the tie into yet that. Again, that ties in too. You know, is an adaptation, meaning that a person or a historical time period or something that happened, you know, like it's so flexible. So I think we need to be careful when we see the label inspired by true events or inspired from a true story, because it just basically means they took inspiration when it came to writing it. Right. Right. Oh, and okay. I got some more information that ties it into it, apparently. Okay. Uh, so in the 2001 Victor Salva film, the opening scene almost directly mirrors a reenactment of the testimony from the Unsolved Murders broadcast. Wow. And he never cited the story as inspiration to the film or the episode, but the video speaks for itself, and they actually got comparison videos that you can watch. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that some more, because yeah, I, I remember when I was looking up just true stories that happened in Michigan and that one came up I'm going how the hell okay I gotta see what the hell this is about and yeah like, that's 
fascinating. That's really interesting. Yeah, I I personally don't care for the true story that happened around me. It's still too close to home. Yeah, that would be way too close. And I have nothing wrong with people watching that film. Okay, like I don't care if other people watch it. I have chosen not to. Yeah. Because I don't want to relive it. We, not just that, is that there's a lot of controversy of what happened to Carla Homolka and, and suspecting whether she was a victim or whether, you know, she fully engaged in these murders and what happened to her. And, you know, I was too young to really fully understand the impact of it because these murders happened when I was about 11 and 12. So I was pretty young. Right. Um, but it's just one of those things, you know, that I just... I don't need to see it. Now, mind you, I watched Monster with Charlize Theron, which is based on a true story and had no problem with that because it's separate from me. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know anybody. I, I can't envision the area. I don't know about the actual news story. I can separate myself from it. So, and I think that's something to remember, you know, and some true event stories can be very inspirational i think there's a not a horror film but there's something called soul surfer about a young woman who's a surfer that gets attacked by a shark and she loses like her her arm or something oh I heard and about she that continues story. to surf and then she becomes this like role model like true stories like that are very inspirational but yeah. the ones that kind of take that horror you know lens to it i think are are sometimes tough to watch though i watch hostel and stuff like that and not that I think hostel happens, but man, you know what? Like, I, could. I would not stay in a hostel. Like, there's no. a lady I work with, and she's like, oh, yeah, hostels, hostels. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I, maybe it's just old school. You know, I am, like, 15 years older than her and maybe just too cautious. But I'm like, fuck that shit. Well, you've also <laughs> probably watched way too many horror films. I have, right? And I, I think that really does play into it. There are certain things I won't do because of watching too many horror films for example one time i was going for a hike and with my girlfriends and we were walking and you'll appreciate this scott there was this cabin or like this kind of makeshift house in the distance and it was really like run down and shit and looked really like just creepy and my girlfriend's like oh we should go explore that i said no we shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) I would have. I know you would have. See, this is why you were going to die. I would in a heartbeat. And I'd probably like, die prob- I'd probably oh. die from falling through a floor, falling through a wooden floor that's been rotted in an abandoned house. Or some psycho that lives there. I'm just telling I, you. I I would probably move in and become the psycho that lived there. You're so not a psycho material. <laughs> I know. You <laughs> pretend to be this scary person when you're like the most like cuddly fucking person in the entire planet. It's like true. you're the nicest guy ever. I'm way meaner than you. Wait, that's why you're going to win the date with Brandon. Well, that and I'm Smoke Show Crawford. And you got that beard. CZ Top all Smoke the way. Smoke Show Crawford. But um, yeah, like I just, there's certain things that I don't do because I'm like, nope. Yeah, there's certain things I still won't do, but like I don't know why. I think it's just I'm fascinated with abandoned abandoned houses that I'm like I'm gonna go in there, if it's uh, if it's not against the law, because I know friends of mine that have went into abandoned structures and got arrested for it. Well, and I like going. I want to do visit abandoned amusement parks. I really and I like to watch videos of abandoned amusement parks. Like I find that shit fascinating beyond belief i find amusement parks 
so fascinating. Mm -hmm. I love them. Like, I just am obviously clearly an adrenaline junkie. Uh, but yeah, like, it's just, it's really, really fascinating on, anyway, I, we kind of got into like a whole other side topic here, but it's really, it's, it's interesting how many people will use true events or inspired. And that kind of also gives you that fear of like, it could actually happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there are some films where you're just going, I can't believe this is even based off a real event. Like, it might not be completely true, but holy crap, like, even the possibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what can make those films fascinating. Absolutely. Well, I think we've we've gone through our Out of the Dark segment, and we've talked about the break that you're going to have. I I think it's time that we we move along and let you get ready for your week at the cabin in the woods. Yes, let's hope I come back. Yes, let, well, I'm sure you will. Uh, don't My, do anything I'm, stupid. I if I I can't say I won't read the Necronomicon that's in the cellar. Wait, didn't we have a talk I, about this? I, I, you want to read it. <laughs> But you're like, I'd read it in my head. That yep. is the weirdest shit you've ever told. First of all, that you would read it in your head. Why would you even open something like that? You know what I mean? Like, if we well, went to the cabin in the woods, like, you know, we would die because of you. <laughs> I would not go into the crawl space. I'd be that person that would be like, I don't think we should go down there. And you'd be like, oh, we should go check the shit out. I'd be like, no. Well, unfortunately, in this cabin, we have to go in the crawl space to turn on the water. But you all don't have to go. Is it no, like a group but, activity where you have to hold hands and go down no, to the but if, together? But if someone goes down there and they find a cool, creepy book, it, it, curiosity killed the cat, Heather. Look, you got five cats, okay? You don't need <laughs> to worry about killing any cats here, all right? But I'm just saying that I hope you have a great time. Oh, thank you. Away, and I hope you drink lots and uh, engage in whatever activities you feel like engaging in while you're up there. Um, oh, I'm going to get into some shenanigans and I already plan on having a couple of cases of beer with me because Scotty is getting day drunk multiple days during the week because why not when you're I'm on so proud the, of you. When you're on a shore of a lake that's just and there's a uh, built-in sauna, you just can't complain. Well, you know what? If uh, borders were open, and how far is this drive for you again? Like it is a seven-hour drive. Yeah. So if it was like three hours for me, and borders were open, because it would be like a ten-hour drive for me. Yeah. Um, if it was like a three-hour drive and borders were open, I'd totally go for like three or four days. Yeah, that you would have a blast. Like this is one of those. Well, you would that- have a blast because I'm there. Oh, of course, always. <laughs> you would definitely make it. You would definitely make it fun because they make that, everything more fun. The people that are going to be there, they'll make it fun, but yeah, not nearly as uh, not not nearly the party lifestyle that Heather lives. No, are you guys going to go tubing and stuff? Yep, there's tubing, kneeboarding, um, just straight up boating. Like tubing, like in Friday the Thirteenth, the remake. Are you going to be going out on those water skis and then? Like, oh, I'm not doing the water skis, but I'm going to. I'll, I'll be on a Will tube. Will getting... <laughs> Yeah, I'll say I'll, I'll be getting drugged behind the boat by on a on an inner tube. That is for sure. Nice. Like, let's hope Jason doesn't. That'd be like your fucking fantasy. You'd be like, oh my god, it's Jason! Like, you'd be yeah, like, you're losing your shit, right? You're my boy, Jason. Be, and then we'd have inspired by true stories. <laughs> oh my gosh, and. There is a sauna, and just like in 
Friday the 13th, part eight, there's a sauna in the boat. I could die by Jason with a sauna in the boat with the hot rocks pressed through me. Yes. Living your best life. I am. Your best death, I guess, at that point. (laughs) Living your best death. Living my best life until the end. Until the end. Well, Scott, have a great time. I will be holding the fort down here. You'll be catching me on some different podcasts that I will be on, doing some guest spots. Uh, you want to announce those podcasts while you're here? Or? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep everybody on the need to know. Nice. Uh, the one that I will say is that I do plan on making a every guest appearance on NFW. Um, NFW was one of the first podcasts that I ever went on besides Kill the Cast back last I guess September actually, um, and I have always credited Nudie with giving me. Um, you know, Jeff and Jerry and Kill the Cast were my, my first big start in podcasting, but Nudie giving me a chance to be on his show. And I did do NFW on and off for a little bit there. And then it was just too much for me, but I'm looking forward to going back and visiting those guys again. Yeah, and that'll then, be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. And then there's some other shows in the works that are coming. So August will be an interesting month. I'm going to be happy to be done school and going back to drinking and partying and doing what I do best. Heather living her best life. <laughs> My best fucking life. And uh, more horror movies. And as the theater's open, hopefully they'll open near you too. And we'll see. we can start to talk about some theater call releases. But I don't know. In the meantime, do you have any parting words, Scott, before we close this bad boy out? Um, nah, I think I'm good. Just know that Scott is going to party, and while he's partying, we already know Heather will get caught up on her 2020 watches <laughs> and surpass me. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, well, I probably will. Who am I kidding? Yeah, I'll say it'll be in August. You'll you'll have time to do it then. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely won't be watching Ouija Shark, though. I can assure you on that one. I recommend, I recommend it. Masterpiece. No, Masterpiece. I am not watching that oscar worthy so, film. Until then, I will be watching as many 2020 films as I can to give myself a nice head start. So when I come back, I don't have to play catch up for nearly that long. <laughs> that's Good my goal. strategy. I got to say, that's actually a pretty smart strategy. So. That, that's my goal. I got to think ahead sometimes. And I don't even know what we're doing as our next topic. Like we would even drop a teaser, but I feel like we're going to wait until Scott gets back because right now he's got vacationing on his mind. I got finishing up a silence on mine and, and we just got to like figure out our little creative juices and figure out where we're going to go from here. Yep, absolutely. We're just going to call this our like mini summer break. And yeah, we will be back in just like a few weeks. It won't be that long. But uh, until then, everybody, unpleasant dreams. Fireball. <laughs> <laughs>